Welcome to the FemiPod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from and engage with. Brought to you by your Femi founders, Esther Kewen and myself, Lydia O'Donnell. Welcome back to the Femi Pod for episode number 75. This is Esther with her bestie Lids, and we're so excited to be here. We're actually going to be taking a two-week break after this podcast today. So get excited to hear our listeners' questions and we're going to answer them for you all today. So before we get into it, Lids, how you been? What's been going on? Yeah, it's so good to be here. We are again in the same room, um, except in a different city. So it's nice to be back together. We're now in Melbourne, which is fun. But yeah, things are good. I have had a good but busy last week. I actually raced in the weekend, which was so fun. I feel like I've really taken the listeners on a bit of a roller coaster over the last couple <laughs> of weeks. And I was, for those who don't know, meant to be racing the nursing marathon a couple of weeks ago. And then I got horrendously sick the week before um so I took a couple of well I took a week off training and then just eased back into things and then last week I was in Brisbane seeing my partner up on the sunny coast and I was like wow fuck it I'm just gonna go and run the Brisbane 10k and see how I go so it was just so fun to go and have a race it's honestly been probably about eight months since I last raced and even last year I only did two races so it was so fun to just like be amongst other runners and the vibe of a race again like it was just so fun to be there I really didn't care what time I was going to run or my placing I purely just wanted to go out there and have a good time so I was like hyper excited to race um and I felt relatively good like I think after coming back from sickness I definitely wasn't in full form but for what I'd been through I think I feel like I ran relatively well so yeah I didn't run like PB or anywhere close to it but I got second in the race and had a good time and so that was yeah the best outcome possible um but other than that yeah things are good I'm actually heading to America this weekend hence why we're taking a couple of weeks off the podcast I'm going over there with Nike a week with Nike and then spending some time over there doing some Femi work so if you're in the states on the west coast I'm going to be spending time in Portland Seattle San Fran and LA get at me. I would love to come and meet some Femis and go for runs with you all. So just DM me on Instagram and we can meet up in the meeting spot. But yeah, things are good. Things are exciting. How about you, Est? So cool. I just want to say to everyone listening, yes, I am very sad. I'm not going to the States with Lids and it will be so fun to go, but we will probably go together this year uh, later on, which is cool. Um, But yeah, so excited for you to hear about everything that goes on over there. It's going to be so exciting. And then also your race was so good. Liz ran crazy fast time and it sounded like a pretty rough course and she was like weaving through all these people as well so yeah just cool. it, was, it was a really rough course mm. for anyone who has done the Brisbane marathon half marathon or 10k you would know what I'm talking about but the 10k is back onto the bank of the half marathon and so you spend like four at least four k's of the race trying to overtake the half and full marathoners and honestly it was a shit show so, so annoying. if you are any one of the organizing team from Brisbane Marathon, it was a great event, but that course definitely needs to change. Yeah. Maybe a little email yeah. with some positive feedback. Um, yeah, no, I've been really good too. I had a bit of a scare injury wise on Friday. Like I feel like I'm actually yeah, getting some good weeks of training and I feel 
Um, like I'm getting fitter, my body's responding well to the training I'm doing. But then on Friday, I like was doing some drills on the, on the grass and I saw this little pothole in front of me and I was like, all right, go around that pothole, don't stand in it. And then I fucking go and stand straight in it and rolled my right ankle. I think I was just really tired and looking back, like, but maybe that was a sign. Like, yeah, I should have just maybe chilled that other. But yeah, I was really lucky. I pulled up pretty good. So I cross-trained on Saturday and then I was able to run an hour on Sunday and I've been able to run ever since. So lucky for me, I don't know, people listening may have heard how scared I was to do Tarawira because of like my ankles and I've got proper, you know, long-term damage in my right ankle. And it was my right ankle that I rolled on Friday. So I was pretty sad when it happened and a bit scared. And I was saying to Liz and my partner that because of all of the stuff that's happened with like COVID and everything that I feel like I would be hard if I got an injury like that at the moment like I feel like I would probably feel demotivated because I'm finally getting like a groove on and it would just be yeah it would be hard to have to deal with that so I'm really stoked that it didn't develop into anything serious and I've got away with it which is great um but apart from that yeah just over in Melbs for like two days right now, which is cool. So we've got a cool couple of things on today uh, with Nike and then with the Femi team. And yeah, apart from that, just working, chilling, dealing with the weather in New Zealand, which isn't great. Liz has escaped now. She's escaped back to um, Australia and then going to the States, which will be summer, which will be so nice. So yeah, live vicariously through her in my winter pain and cold in New Zealand. <laughs> But yeah, no, that's really good and things are going well. Yeah, work is really crazy at the moment. It's like a very exciting time for us at Femi. We have so many things to tell everybody very soon. And I feel like we've been really leading you all on for a long time. But just know that there's some exciting news coming from us in the next month or two. So definitely stay tuned for that. But um, yeah, good times ahead. So today we are doing listener questions and we had many questions sent to us through Instagram. So thank you to everyone who DM'd us and sent us their questions for the podcast today. We probably won't be able to get through all of them. So for those that we can't get to today, we apologize and we'll try to get to them in an episode in the future. But we do appreciate everybody getting in touch with us. So the first one is we're going to open with a question we actually have answered before, but I think it's worth touching on because we know that COVID is still around and still affecting people. This question is, I've had COVID with an awful cough. Advice on returning to running? Great question. Yes, we we have done a whole episode on this. So if you're listening and this was your question, I suggest. And so Liz going back and finding that one. I think it's actually called, yeah, advice. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Nice. Um, but totally relate it sucks coming back from COVID especially if you're affected badly by it which sounds like this listener is so really sorry firstly that you're going through that but then I think it's just being really cautious like if you are having bad symptoms like an awful cough it's just taking all expectations off yourself and being more accepting that your body is trying to heal at this time and like just taking it really slow so there's a full protocol to follow. Um, and if the symptoms are still there, you probably shouldn't be running much. Like it's it's really rough and it's really hard to go through. Liz and I have both gone through it. Um, I had long COVID for nearly six months. Liz had it for a very long time as well. So my advice would be like, don't expect 
yourself to run you know like don't expect things of yourself like expecting to be able to run half an hour or 60 minutes like when you go out the door if you're feeling good on a day just don't have any expectations about I'm going to stop the minute something plays up or I feel weird or anything like that because it just sets yourself up so you're not going to be disappointed because I think that's what both of us were dealing with when we went through that it was like the constant like I'm going to go for a run and then expecting to maybe run like 45 minutes or 60 minutes and then you get to 20 minutes and have a heart palpitation which is what I was going through and so I would you know get upset and sad that I wasn't able to run what I'd said in my head so if I just hadn't had that in my head like maybe it would have been okay so yeah that's probably my only advice but definitely yeah follow that protocol as well in that podcast and it, I think it's on our website as well eh? it's on our website too it's actually been written by our femi expert Dr Izzy Smith and we are not medical experts, so we can't really give medical advice. But I think from in my opinion, it's exactly the same as yes. Like you just have to listen to your body. And like, honestly, your your body knows. Like when I, I got COVID for the third time in January this year, and I did bounce back relatively quickly compared to the other two times, but I still was like forcing myself through runs. And now I look back and I'm like, I wasn't enjoying them and I was forcing myself through them purely because my body was not ready. Like I had this expectation that I wanted to be back training in a certain amount of time. And I was just like running because of that expectation. I wasn't running because my body wanted to run at all. Like I wasn't even having fun doing it. So I do regret doing that. I wish I'd taken more time back then, but your body does know when you're ready to train properly. And if you are feeling fatigued, like I was waking up tired and I was like cringing at the thought of putting on my running shoes, but I would do it because I'm a hard ass on myself. <laughs> but um, you definitely have to like, yeah, listen to your body and your mind to do what is right for you. So true. It's like at the time, it's like you're forcing yourself for it, but it's like almost a long-term effect. Eh? Like I feel like we both probably pushed too much through through that long COVID period and maybe it extended how long we were in that period. So you can just deal with it now. You might shorten how long this goes on for, which is ultimately what you want to get back running. Cool. Question number two, tips to get out of an eating disorder slump. Yeah, this is a tough question. If um, we're obviously, we're speaking about eating disorders. So if this is triggering for you, maybe just jump forward a few minutes. But it is a really hard question to ask because I think everybody's eating disorder experiences are totally different. And like what helps one person might not help someone else. I think for me, when I was battling disordered eating behaviors in my 20s, I really felt a lot of pressure and expectation. And I really faced a lot of, I guess, self-comparison and was comparing myself to everyone around me and I remember doing that when I was younger as a teenager and and I know that really triggered me and like pushed me further into into disordered eating so I was trying to like reframe those conversations you say to yourself about comparison and comparing what you look like to other people and really just focusing on what is actually right for you and you know I when I was in in that time in my life I was comparing myself to people who weren't athletes didn't train like me we're genetically blessed and like we're totally different builds and physiologies and here I am being like oh I just want to look like that and I also thought that that would help my performance and then that made me do things like restrict my diet and um, cut calories and cut entire food groups because I thought that was going to help me look a particular way and perform a particular way which neither of them did both of them sent me into reds and I lost my menstrual cycle and got super unwell so 
I think for me, it's reframing those conversations that you have with yourself and really focusing on actually what is right for you and and not what other people are doing around you. And I know that's way easier to say than to actually do, but taking those steps of like, what do I need today to feel good about myself? And once I honestly started to do that, it took years of reframing conversations. But once I started and, and and a couple of years later, I was like in this place where I now don't give a shit what other people look like and what what they're doing to better their performances I'm like selfish in a good way and I know what's right for me and it's obviously how teams so yeah I think that's one of the tips that I would say is just like try to reframe conversations that you have with yourself about other people and stop comparing yourself to other people and just focus on you um what about you Est? yeah it's so hard to answer because yeah like you said at the start depends like the type of eating disorder it depends how far in you are like I think we know and the science proven it that the further into an eating disorder someone is the harder it is to get out and so I think you know the tips depend on on where you are in that spectrum of an eating disorder but I have heard Sarah Woodowson our dietitian talk about looking at your diet and obviously you should be getting help firstly first things first get help from a dietitian get help from a psychologist and talk to your family and support people and get them around you to help you but then also focusing on like adding like tiny things like tiny changes because I think the biggest fear of eating disorders is like well when I had anorexia it was like big changes to my diet like if someone was like you need to eat like way more like double what you're eating which we probably did and you may as well but that would be overwhelming to hear. So it's like, well, what can we do? We can add like peanut butter to something in the day and then you're going to have more calories, but it's not like a big change. I think that's quite scary, isn't it? Like the big changes or someone, yeah, just like throwing all the stuff at you when you're like mentally going through that is, is really tough. So yeah, just like little things you can add in. But yeah, I just honestly think just get help. If, if you're in a slump, reach out to people that you know and trust get that psychological help because it's so much of what you're thinking about yourself like you said Liz it's like it's what's going on in your mind that's affecting what you're doing to your body and like what you think is right and how much food you're consuming so yeah just reach out for help and and if you even want to reach out to us we can connect you with some people that we know uh like Sarah get you connected with Sarah or you know um, other people that can help with with eating disorders but yeah that's a tough one, isn't it? It is a hard one. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to ask you this question because this is okay. this is you cool. to a T. <laughs> Best tips for a first-time marathon training plan? Yeah, great question. I think back to my first marathon, and honestly, it was the most enjoyable, fun marathon I have ever done. I think I've done maybe 10 marathons now, and like, not, I don't think any race is ever going to beat that one because going into your first marathon training, block as well as the actual race it's really the unknown and you don't know what to expect you don't know how it's going to feel you just like can go into it with your eyes kind of wide open and just like go in with a really fresh mind and so if you've never run a marathon before and this is your first time and you're thinking about running a marathon this year then get excited because it's so fun I think marathon training there's this like expectation that you need to be running like a certain amount of Ks and running like every single day and doing all these additional things. But honestly, you just need to build a program that's really like consistent and sustainable. And and that's what's going to get you to the marathon. It's not going out and running 40 Ks every weekend 
because it's just totally unsustainable, especially for someone who's never run a marathon before, but just like gradually increasing your Ks over time. I think the the biggest and most important tip is like give yourself that time to work towards the marathon. Don't kind of set this expectation you're going to run a marathon in eight weeks or even 10 or 12 weeks. Like I would say at the minimum 16 weeks, if not 20 weeks, build towards that marathon. Um, my second tip in terms of the training block is break, break your training program up. So if you are looking at a 16 or 20 week training program, you don't just want to train consistently every single week and like load every week up week on week. You want to break almost periodize, which if you don't know about periodization, head back to our podcast a couple of episodes before and we break it down, but you almost want to periodize even that training block. So my approach to training plans around the marathon for most of my athletes I would say if it's a 16 week training block we spend the first eight weeks like training towards the half marathon distance even if you can run the half marathon distance at the start of the training block we're going to check in at eight weeks get you to do a half marathon see where you're at that's going to a periodize the program and also like set expectation on what paces we want to hit for the following eight weeks leading into the marathon. So make sure that you break that marathon training program up. The third one is try to remove like the pressure and expectation to get every single run right. Like there's going to be a lot of running within that training block towards the marathon. So not every run is going to go well. And you know, there's that famous saying that Alexi Pappas talks about a lot as the rule of thirds third of the time things are going to go well third of the time they'll go okay and third of the time they will go to crap and that's so fine and that's so relatable for a training program and a marathon training program because you won't hit every single session to a t like things won't go right sometimes and then other times you'll really surprise yourself and so try to like remove that expectation of just like always hitting paces and times and then the fourth one which i think ties into femi so well is be aware of your menstrual cycle if you have a natural cycle and make sure that you're um, training in line with your cycle. I think for me, as soon as I started doing that, everything just started to flow so much better. And like I was actually doing training that was appropriate for me. And so if you can just be aware of your body and what's going on internally, then you can actually execute the training a lot better. So those are probably my four tips for the marathon training plan. Est, next one's for you. What is the ultimate race event of all races or events you would love to run in? We actually got asked this a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, this is a cool question. I think I've always wanted to do the speed project. So the one year that I think Lids did it, we were thinking about doing it together and then um, something got in the way and I wasn't able to go. But like, I've always wanted to do it and think it'd be so fun because I love like, relay events you know and you do like a team run and you've got like uh, a team of like six or a team of 10 or whatever and you all do a leg and you've got a van and you're driving around it's just so fun that's probably like there's a there's a mini one in New Zealand called road relays and it's nowhere near on the level of the speed project or anything but yeah I want to do something like that on a hectic scale and run somewhere mental yeah and then maybe just do some more trail races I'm not quite sure like which ones but then when I rolled my ankle on Friday I was like maybe not (laughs) maybe not but yeah I think that's probably one that I've always had on my like to-do list and then yeah I definitely want to do a marathon as well I don't know which one but just building back up slowly you know 
hit their interview. What about you, cool. Yeah, I mean, the Speed Project was a wild race. I did it two times. For those who don't know, you run from LA to Vegas. It's a roughly about 550Ks. You break it up between six runners. So there is no like specific map. You just find your way on foot as fast as you possibly can. And it's the team that gets there the fastest. And so the first time I did it, I did it with a mixed group of boys and girls. And the second time I did it, it was just an all-women's team. And we ended up getting third overall and first women's team. And it was, it's like just wild. It's a really crazy race. You're out in the middle of the desert, um, running through Death Valley in the middle of the night. And it is so cool. And I think that sort of running and racing to me is what lights me up the most. Like, I think traditional marathons are really fun and like such an amazing accomplishment. But for me, I'm like, what's something that really tests the boundaries and really pushes my limits. And that's the stuff that I want to be doing. It's not necessarily wanting to go out and do those like 200 mile races. Like I don't really have any desire to do that at all, but the team events where you're like put in these crazy situations, that's what I want to do. So I need to find more of them. I would love for us at Femi to enter a team into one of the races coming up. So maybe stay tuned for that one. Maybe a dream. All right. Next question. I was a big mileage runner after a couple of big surgeries. My fitness is dire. Where, how to start again and build up the big Ks. It feels so far away. Oh, that's a tough one. Totally relate. I think we both do over the last year or two I think again it comes back to that expectation thing just be really kind to yourself and continue to remind yourself to be patient if there's anything we've learned like being accepting of where you are is a huge benefit to actually get further because all that mental stress you're putting on yourself to reach something that is probably pretty rough on your body and then you may not make it and then you get disappointed that sort of thing is extremely taxing on your like physical and mental well-being so if you can just Take away all of that pressure, to take away the expectations, but do things right. Listen to your body, plan it out, do the rehab that you're meant to be doing to protect your body as you come back into running. I think those are probably the biggest tips I can give you. It's hard to say, like, depending on where you are, like if you're starting from zero or if you're starting from 20Ks a week, it's it's all different, but just be kind to yourself and you promise you you'll get back there. It just takes time and running is like a long game. And if you try and cut corners and build your mileage up too quickly, you might just get another injury and be back where you started. So just be patient. Yeah, I think totally agree with all of that. And what has helped me in the past when I've like come out of sickness or injury is just looking at like the big picture and being like, I want to be running up to two hours in six months, you know, like where do, where do I want my fitness to be in six months, not in six days or even six weeks? Really look at the long term because like you said, if you're trying to think too short term, you just rush things and that just puts your body on the line and potential risk of further injuries. So really like strip away those expectations for what you can do in the moment and think about where you want to be in another six months, 12 months, and that will hopefully help make the right decisions where you're at right now. I love it. All right, next question. Relax days or me days? Do you schedule them in for your well-being and what do you do? <laughs> this is the worst question for us <laughs> because we, we are suck at it. so bad. We are so bad at taking care of ourselves or like pulling things back. But, you know, I, just going off that last question, I personally look at the long-term picture and I'm like, 
if I work really hard now, hopefully in another year, couple of years, we can relax. But um, that's not a great way. Like we should be taking time to take care of ourselves all the time, like regularly every week. We should be scheduling these days in. So I actually appreciate that this question was asked, but I am here to admit that I'm pretty bad at it. I definitely try to find time within my weeks to like spend with my loved ones I think that's really important and that does force me to like switch off from work and training and just be in the moment but for me and well my partner in particular he travels a lot for work too so we only really get to see each other every now and then so it is good to like completely switch off from work when I'm with him and it's a forced way to switch off from work but it's probably not often enough (laughs) what about you yes parfait like I think I've had moments where I'm like suffering quite bad anxiety and then that sort of slaps me in the face and it's like do something about this so I think some of the things that I've learned is like leaving my phone at home like weekend days like Saturday for example I'm like I'm not going to do any work Saturday I'll actually like leave my phone places or like I give it to my partner and like don't let me look at my phone because I think that phones are awesome and like they've progress the world and stuff the fact that we're in constant contact with other people and there's like constant things dinging off at us and you could check your emails just like something that seems like really innocent but it's like why you know like that can wait a day and you can like have a day where you actually switch off so I think yeah for me it's being purposeful on those days that I choose turning my phone off putting it away not doing any work on those days and like being okay with like chilling out but yeah, it's easier said than done. We're not we're not fabulous at it. We're well, we work for me and and then trying to run at a high level and run lots of Ks. It, it it is taxing. I think the one thing that we do do well is we sleep. Yeah, <laughs> like we're we're pretty non-negotiable in our sleep. Both yeah. of us, like we'll go to bed early and we'll get. I mean, at least eight hours sleep mm-hmm. every night. Yeah, unless we're potentially traveling, but most nights it's eight hours. And I think that's one thing that I'm like really proud of myself for doing to look after my mental and physical health. I think it helps so much. I think people underestimate how powerful sleep is. All right, next question is how did you overcome any fear of failure to create Femi? Well, I think it was easy for me because I moved to Sydney right when like COVID happened. And so I quit my job in Melbourne and then moved to Sydney, and then Femi was, like, kind of being formed, and I just threw myself into it because all the jobs that I'd applied for in Sydney had disappeared. They weren't there anymore. Like, I couldn't even go and interview, and I was like, I'm just unemployed pretty much. So that kind of helped, I think. And then just realizing how powerful it was and, like, seeing people's reactions and responses and realizing that, the things that Liz and I have been through have been something that so many women have been through and relate to. So that kind of took away the fear because it was like, oh, whoa, this is actually huge and we can change the lives of, of heaps of women. So that helped. And then I think we're both quite fearless as well, which is cool. That helps. Yeah. But what about you? I think so too. I think there are so many parts to this question. I think it wasn't a scary thing to do to start for me because it felt so natural and like such a natural progression from what both Esther and I had been doing to date. So it wasn't like we just decided to start a coaching company of having never coached or never knowing anything about female physiology. I don't know, it just felt so normal, but I think there's obviously a lot of risks and we take risks every single day. Like even right now, where the company is at as a startup, we are every day taking these huge 
risks, but I almost thrive off those risks. Like I really do enjoy that. I think Femi's obviously been built around like conversations that until recently have been quite taboo. And I think there was an initial fear about raising those conversations when we first started Femi, like talking about periods really openly. It wasn't really something back then, even though that was only a few years ago, like back then, not a lot of people were talking about their periods online. And it's really cool to think that we have been part of driving this movement to for women to actually like be open to talk about their bodies, which we all should be able to. And I think, yeah, that was definitely like, I don't know, I guess the fear at the start was like, what are people going to think when I'm talking about my heavy flow on the internet? <laughs> but like now I'm so open with it. I don't really care. Don't care at all. Um, but yeah, like there's definitely fears and risks that we take every day, but that's just the world we live in. And I think a lot of that, as I think we've spoken about before, has come off the back of being athletes and you're facing fears head on. That's what we do when being an athlete, especially in running, like you're really exposing yourself to many risks and, and fear of people judging you when you are like out running and racing, but I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> Definitely. We actually did a podcast say on fear of failure and why failure is like part of being successful. I think that was actually pretty recently. So if you want to hear more about that, head back as well into the past episodes. Next question. Do you feel fear of judgment from friends or people on social media? Yeah, this is a really great question too. I think, yes. I think, I think initially I did like back in the day, I definitely worried what people thought about me online and on the internet and definitely on Instagram. And like, it's funny because I feel like so many of my friends, the incredible woman that I've grown up with really have no idea what I do in my day-to-day life. And I kind of love it that way. And then my friends who are like integrated into the running world and really like involved in what's going on in the running world. Those are the people I probably feel more judgment from, which is difficult at times. I think the running world is super competitive and everyone's trying to do their own thing. And and like in any industry, really, when you're doing something that's like maybe against the grain or what we would like to say, revolutionizing the industry, people are going to judge you. And there's also that idea of going back to the idea of comparison. And I think a lot of people look on with thoughts and opinions and we definitely find that challenging at times, but yeah, it's funny. We also know people who are in our own circles who we run with regularly and like would consider friends, but like don't even follow Femi or us. And that's just quite weird. And I'm not really sure, you know, you do question people's intentions. I think we're getting to understand those two things better as we continue on this journey building our company but yeah yeah well it's that thing right like people often project how they feel about themselves on other people I genuinely can't say a person that could look at Femi and think what we're doing is bad like how could you say that trying to improve the lives of young girls and women in sport is a bad thing to do so like if anyone's you know judging what we're doing it's probably coming from a place where they're not okay I think we yeah, like Lynn said we're learning more and more about like knowing when something's genuine or not and it's it's a good thing to be learning that you really just, just have to like surround yourself with genuine people who like are on the same mission and want the same thing that you do you know like yeah we are on this mission to change the world for women in sport and like if you want to get on that then join us yeah I think surrounding yourself by good people is like one of the most important things that you can do to encourage you to stay on this like journey and path um all right next question how to train to your cycle when it's irregular 
It is a great question. If you are having a re- an irregular cycle, I would suggest speaking with a dietitian or you know going to see a medical professional and just making sure that everything's going going well. Get get your bloods done, get your hormone level checked, and then also yeah, if you can see a dietitian to help get that cycle back being regular. Yeah, for those who have been doing our Tough Girl Tuesday sessions. You will notice when we ask you which phase of your cycle you're in, we also offer like energy-based workouts. So something that can help for people who either are on contraception or don't have a regular cycle to just pay way more attention to your energy levels. And even if it is waking up in that morning and being like, do I feel good today and ready to push the pace? Or am I feeling a bit more fatigued and tired and don't want to go so high in the intensity of the session? And that's probably the easiest way to like train in line with your body versus train to your cycle. If you don't have like a regular and natural or natural cycle, it's just like noting down how you feel, even if it's the night before and start like logging how you feel each day and and then like paying more attention to it and then actually training in an appropriate way for you and your body. Next one, when and how to incorporate strength when you're already running five to six times a week. Oh my gosh, I so feel this person because it is hard when you do so much running and then you're like, cool, well, now I need to throw in gym and strength training on top of all the running. Like, how is it possible? I would say if you're someone who's training five to six days a week, keep your one day rest as a full rest day. Like I wouldn't suggest going and loading up strength on that rest day because it's just taking away the purpose of the rest day. I would say try to incorporate your strength on top of your running you really only need to be doing like two strength sessions a week. So uh, we actually did an incredible podcast with our strength trainer, Bex. So we'll also put that in the show notes and you can go back and listen to that. But it is really about loading up your hard days to make your easy days easy. So if you're doing out of those four to five runs, I'm assuming two to three of them are more intense or longer, harder sessions. That's where I'd probably try and get your strength in. So if you're doing a long run in the morning, try and get your strength in the evening or the afternoon. If you're doing a high intensity or an intense like speed session in the morning, try and do your strength that night. That's just going to allow you to make the most of your recovery. And honestly, like if you can pull back your easy days and make them super easy, then you're just going to be able to execute those harder days way better. And that's where you're going to get fitter and faster, not just trying to work at like 70 or 80% every single day. So yeah, load up your hard days, strength on your hard days, and then take your easy days easy. Hopefully that helps. Yes. At what age should a child, a girl, be introduced to competitive running? This is a very interesting question, eh? I think, honestly, like probably after they've gone through puberty, like 15, 16, 17, and even then it should still be fun. And like, it should always be fun, but let's be real, sometimes competitive sport gets a bit hectic. So yeah, I honestly don't think we should be like celebrating success of nine-year-olds winning cross country. And I, I think we need to have a complete upheaval of competitive sport with junior athletes. Byron, my partner, when he worked for North Harbour Rugby, they removed, I think it was like under 12-year-old under winnings. So like if you played a game, there was no winner, there was no like score, it was literally they're just playing the game and they got so much shit from the parents and it actually works. Those kids aren't concerned. The people watching them and the parents are the ones that are concerned. Like the kids just want to do it for fun. And like the minute that all that competitive stuff comes in, 
uh, you start to fear judgment. You start to compare yourself with others. You start to think, well, how can I be better? How can I be better? And it's actually, that's, that's part of the problem. And like, I look back to myself and if I'd known that puberty is probably going to come with a different performance for a girl versus a boy, you know, like they generally just trend upwards. Whereas women, when you go through puberty, you actually have a different performance. So my reaction to that was to try and become skinnier and stop puberty from happening so that I could continue to run the way that I was before puberty. And that did so much damage to my body. But if I hadn't even been exposed to winning the idea of success being attached to winning, I would never have taken those drastic actions. And so I just, yeah, honestly think like 15, 16 at the earliest. Yeah, it's such a hard question to answer because I think I had such a different experience to you as a teenager. And I was like competitive running for me at school, I think saved me and kept me like out of trouble. But you can still run and like... But did you, when you were like running those races, did you like care heaps about where you came and like put value? It was all relative, you know, like I wanted to win school cross country and I'd want to win like interzones or whatever it was called back then. Yeah. Um, But I'd go to nationals and I would kind of already know that I'm not going to win. So like I'd just go there and I'd try my hardest and I would, I think my best placing at crossing nationals was maybe like 15th or something. Yeah. And like that to me was a huge success yeah because it was relative to what I had achieved in the past but I know for you like you were winning nationals so you had all this pressure to always be winning nationals and if you weren't coming in the top three like people are going to judge you yeah whereas for me it was just like it's that scale of competitiveness right like there's being competitive where you're being treated like an elite athlete at 13 years old and being put in all this pressure to like be succeeding and then there's no competition at all and like sending kids out on a run but like not even having a finish line yeah and yeah. then I think there's that like middle ground of like teaching kids and girls to like somewhat enjoy sport and there's a level of competition but it's not like your entire identity is caught up in it yeah I think it's a really tough one yeah yeah like even with that rugby example like they still play the game and like I think they give out prizes for like the most caring or like yeah sportsmanship cool. and like really cool stuff so like you could have a running race and it's like about, I don't know, who pushed the hardest up the hill or like yeah. different ways of celebrating success that gets around everyone. I think so too. Yeah. The funny thing is I actually went and watched my little niece's school cross country a couple of weeks ago and she's six years old and I was that crazy auntie on the sideline like yeah. screaming at her. <laughs> yeah. But like, I also just wanted her to have fun. So at the end of the race, I just went over and I was like, was it fun? Like, did you have a good time? And she's just like, yeah. <laughs> and that's what you want, you know, yeah. rather than being like praising her for getting hurt. It was yeah. more just like, did you have fun? I think it's it's totally like a parent problem too. Like that's probably more of the problem than the age. And it's the pressure that's being put upon the child by parents to be successful, you know? And I listened to a podcast that, the Femi Business Mentor put up about this exact problem. We'll put it in the show notes. It's really good. It looks into factors of like, yeah, competitive sport for young girls particularly, but it looks at the whole spectrum, like college scholarships and how they're really um, targeted at men because of that trajectory of performance gain, whereas women get that dip. But it's like you really secure a scholarship when you're going through that performance dip. You know, there's mm-hmm. ages of... 13 to 17, 18 is when you secure a scholarship to America. And so it's like, 
that forces sometimes young girls to make bad decisions because they're like, well, I need to get that scholarship. So I need to not eat as much and I need to run faster. And like, that's also intertwined. Definitely. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. It's really good. And I think that idea of like athletes peaking in their like early 20s, especially in running, that is not the case at all. But I think mm. people believe that. And I think even organizations that, you know, run athletics think that too. And so young girls are put under this pressure to like be performing in their late teens because they're going to be peaking in their early 20s. And it's like, no, be patient. You have so much time to peak. And that just means your body's going to be in a way better position to do so in your late 20s, early 30s than like in your early 20s. Uh All right, we have time for one more question before we need to roll. So Est, what is your shoe recommendation for over 10Ks? This person says they always keep getting blisters and a sore back. Uh, For me, over 10Ks, uh, I run in the the pegs, the Nike pegs. They're, yeah, my favorite shoe. But... It just depends. If you're getting blisters all the time and you're consistently wearing a pair of shoes, I would suggest trying a different pair. There's a really good podcast that we did with Molly recently about like choosing the best shoe for you. And it's like about the uh, function of the shoe. So what it's built for. So for example, a peg is built for everyday running. So you can do something fast in it, but you could also do like your long run, your easy run, all those things. So the function of the shoe is really important. And then like comfort. So if you're getting blisters in a sore back, I recommend like, yeah, going into a shoe shop and chucking like lots of different shoes on and kind of running around and testing them. But then for your sore back as well, like maybe hitting the gym would help. Yeah. Thoughts? Yeah, definitely. I think strength training will always help if you are getting like overall body soreness. But I think the blisters is definitely a sign that the shoe that you're wearing is not the right shoe for you or perhaps not the right size shoe. Um, but for me, as same as S, like the Pegasus 40s are my kind of go-to running shoe for over 10Ks. I also wear the Infinity Reacts for their longer distances as well. It's like a very different feeling to Pegasus, but I think changing up between the two shoes is really good. I think like we spoke about in the podcast with Molly, it can be super beneficial to have, you know, at least two or three different pairs of shoes and rotating them because you're like changing the way that your foot's moving, you're changing the different cushioning under your foot. It's not like you're just getting used to one kind of feeling and shoe all the time. So I know it's quite a privileged thing to say, but if you do have the option to buy a couple of pairs of shoes, I think it's a very good investment. But yeah, when it comes to actual racing, Vapor flies and alpha flies are kind of my go-to for those longer distances. Alpha flies probably like I actually wore the alpha flies for the 10k in the weekend, but I would usually say like half marathon to the marathon, um, and then the vapor flies for the shorter distances. But it's also a personal preference, so try them on, test them out, figure out what works for you. All right, I think that is all the questions we have today. But thank you so much to everybody who submitted those questions. Hopefully we answered them all for you. I know there's a few we haven't got to. So apologies to those people, but we will be coming back to answer more questions in a few weeks. So definitely stay tuned for that. In the meantime, we just want to say a massive thank you to all the listeners. We are up to episode number 75 now. I feel like uh, we've been on this journey of podcasting for a wee while. It's been so fun and it's so cool to hear from our listeners you know, through Instagram and our website, people who tune in and listen and come back to us with thoughts and opinions and questions. So definitely get at us if you want to send through any of those to our Instagram at femi.co or with our website, femi.co. But we will be away for a couple of weeks. We'll be back in two to three weeks time with some more exciting episodes. 
But in the meantime, thanks, Est. My bestie, my bestie. I'm excited to come back to you. Thanks, Liz. Yeah, and thanks everyone for listening. Have a good couple of weeks. Bye. Bye.